0: Welcome to The Meaning of the Movie, our podcast about what matters most when it comes to the film. You're about to hear a spoiler-filled, we're going to spoil this movie, discussion about the themes, the characters, and why this film is worth watching and thinking more deeply about. I'm your host, Rob Stinnett, and we are getting the band back together today, starting with Andrew Harmon. Andrew, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm glad to uh, still be here, and uh, I'm glad for the full band to be back together, because who else do we have here on the podcast today? We have uh, our original founder, our co-founder,
0: John <laughs> Bolin, here in the podcast. John, how are you doing today? I am doing great, guys. It's so good to
2: be back with you. I don't know if I want to be called any sort of founder in this particular episode, <laughs> but I am really grateful to be here. Summertime is in full swing, and I'm feeling good. Beautiful. Okay, so I love
0: this movie. There's, there's a few type of movies. Today we're talking about The Founder. And there's movies that you like that everyone likes, right? Like you may like The Godfather and it's like, okay, that doesn't tell us much about you. You may like Back to the Future, one of the movies that I like. And it's like, okay, that's fine. That's like saying your favorite band is The Beatles. Like it doesn't say much about you. But when people say like, What is a movie that you love that I may not have seen or think deeply about? This is one of the top answers that I always come back to. Mm -hmm. The Founder, it's a movie that came and went. Some people have seen it. Other people haven't. But I think this is a really important movie. um, And it shares a lot of big ideas and thoughts about this country. Um, But before we get into the movie.
1: I mean, you've been telling me to see this movie for years. Like when it came out, you were like got to see the founder. And I was like, do I though? And so when we were going through the list of movies to do today, I picked this one specifically just to watch this movie because you've been telling me to watch it forever. And I hadn't. And
2: I remember, and boy, Andrew, howdy. I what remember when, when Rob first saw this, he called me and said, you've got to watch the founder. You will. This is a John Boland movie. I don't know what that means. Now thinking about it, I watched it shortly after it came out and then rewatching it again yesterday. Um, Wow, there's a lot there. No doubt. Uh, we'll we'll get into all of it, but
0: it's about dreaming and it's about persistence and it's also about capitalism. And so there's so many ideas, but before we get deeply into the movie, I'm curious about McDonald's itself. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with McDonald's? Like when I say (laughs) McDonald's, what do you say? What do you think? What do you feel? Um, John, I want to start with you. What's your relationship with McDonald's?
2: Well, um, I'm not a regular patron these days, but boy, did I give them a lot of my money in college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in my 20s, for sure. Um, my relationship with McDonald's is mostly the idea behind McDonald's before this movie, um, which is to say that McDonald's always represented for me as, an, as a guy in my 20s and 30s wanting to make it in business, it always represented the picture of successful American entrepreneurism. In fact, when I was in my 20s, I went through a couple of years where I was determined to start my own franchise. I literally went to the national franchise convention with my dad, and he agreed to put a certain amount of money into a franchise. And we went back and forth. Of course, the gold standard of franchising is McDonald's so we looked at McDonald's and then when I saw the requirements, it's like million dollars net, you know, uh, a net worth and uh, at least a million dollars to build the building and it goes through the list. Well, I didn't qualify, you know, on any of those boxes, uh, and so so we were like, well, maybe a Shoney's if you remember what a Shoney's was, <laughs> and, uh, and then we of course I never did I did never did open a franchise, but McDonald's was the gold standard when it comes to franchising. So that's sort of the place that it has in my personal Personal life is this idea of if you really are successful maybe you could own a mcdonald's franchise yeah i
0: that's think that's wild. an important place to start because i think now the reputation for mcdonald's is like oh it's it's fast food it's unhealth it's all those sort mm-hmm. of things but when i was a kid what i can tell you is like kids who had their birthday parties at mcdonald's were bougie as heck it was like oh you're a fancy kid because like this may tell how poor of a family i came from i don't know but like i just looked at kids who i that was like driving a tesla to me when i was a kid if you had your birthday at mcdonald's it was like ronald mcdonald came out and sang you a song and grimace let you color things on his back and like i don't know it was just like this incredible birthday experience
1: (laughs) grimace let you do what (laughs) You we are not gonna just blow by that part. Grim- I, I had a special relationship
0: <laughs> with grandmas.
1: What, what McDonald's did you go to? Yeah. I don't know if this was the average American's experience with McDonald's, my friend.
0: The hamburglar would say weird things to me, They're like I don't know, like <laughs> my point is going to McDonald's was like so cool and then it was the place I loved to eat when I was a kid Yeah, getting a happy meal was Mm -hmm. the coolest thing you wanted a toy every summer like totally
2: back when they used to do like they would have the movie themed like actual glasses you could get like the the I think it might have been back to the future had like a McDonald's glass collection you would you would buy certain food and then you would get the the back to the future collector like collect all four of the glasses or whatever remember that
0: i had a return of the jedi like job of the Hutt glass that we had in our kitchen forever and it was you went to everyone's house and it was like you opened up their glass drawer and it was like mcdonald's glasses like inside yep. so it was like such a baked in piece of american culture did any of you ever work at a mcdonald's never i
1: never did did you yeah it was my first job in high school whoa yeah so I, I had a summer job at McDonald's. There was a McDonald's that was built when I was a kid. I was probably in elementary school. that was built right up the street from my house. It was, there was like a, like a Safeway. Um, and in that shopping center, they like, someone decided to open up a franchise of a McDonald's. And it was this huge thing in my neighborhood it was like, there's going to be a McDonald's up the street and we could walk there. And they really leveraged the like fifties-ness of it. And so there was like a jukebox in this one. And it was like, I I remember when it opened, like, again, it was like the place to be. It was so cool. When I was in middle school, my friends and I would like stop by McDonald's and get like a fry on our way home from middle school. Like it was, it was like part of the community. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, my, my first job was there. I, I worked at a McDonald's for probably five months over the summer, uh, right before my senior year of high school. Uh, so yeah, wild, you know? This is crazy all
0: the history that we have in McDonald's. Mine is probably the darkest and weirdest, but like we (laughs) 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 We we have I actually made a documentary in high school called the Grimace documentary, and it was just like me trying to figure out what Grimace was. I was like, hamburger is like a guy, Birdie is a bird. Mirror McCheese. But I was like, what is Grimace? And I did this like deep dive and like one little like my high school award for the Grimace documentary. And so Anyway, just all this history uh, with McDonald's. um, And I think that's an interesting thing to bring it up. I don't think you need any history with McDonald's, though, for this movie to mean something. Um, And the reason I picked this and the reason that I love to talk about it is because um, there's this New York Times article that came out this week about if you could pick one piece of culture to describe America, what would you pick? And it could be a movie or a book or something else like that. So, John, if you could pick one piece of culture to describe America, what would you pick?
2: I think I would. Well, this is an unfair answer, so I'll break the rules a little bit, but I wouldn't pick one piece of culture. I would say it would be the blockbuster. So the summer blockbuster to me that like even in the times that I've traveled overseas that whenever I see a a billboard overseas for an american blockbuster film it just it's obvious it screams america i feel like the world knows america by our blockbusters i mean it's all the good and bad the of of the best about america and the worst about america i feel like are sort of encapsulated in that summer blockbuster The, the 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 action adventure maybe the excessive violence but also like the 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 craft and the action and the excitement and the hollywood and then also the capitalism and etc etc so i i think my my answer would be the category of summer blockbuster to me is america when you look at our culture
0: yeah that's a great answer especially the billboards like I went to Europe last summer and you could see like, okay, Thor, love and thunder. It's like, that's coming from America. It's like so loud and bombastic in a thing. And like, that's not like, you're like, okay, that's not coming from Beirut or whatever else like that. This is clearly an American
1: uh, export. Andrew, what's your answer? I think there's a really strong um, statement to be made for like, honestly, like this movie or... Shows or movies that are like this. And I think we're going to get into this. I think there's a huge slate of movies that kind of are tapping into this feeling or this kind of theme um, that have come out in like the last 10 years. But if I'm thinking about something that like represents like the feeling of pop culture in America, I think the star Wars franchise does that because it is at this point in life. I think it is this, piece of media that people have insane nostalgia for it's a piece of media that it talks about like dreaming and family and legacy which are all super American things and then people attach their own identity to it when you start talking about like the Star Wars fan base and then new people come along and create new Star Wars content that doesn't align with people's identity and people get mad about it and say, this isn't star Wars. And then you have certain fans fighting other fans and it is turns into this weird toxic thing that is supposed to be beautiful and awesome. So I think there's this weird, almost pop culture allegory for America itself. When you look at how people relate to star Wars and um, all the things that are in that. It might not be super America-ish because internationally people love Star Wars too, but uh, I think I think there's an interesting sort of analog there.
0: That's interesting um, that Star Wars the galaxy far, far away is the most American thing. Like, um, but I think uh, it's
1: sort of like a meta level, right? Yeah. No, I can see it. Well, my answer is the founder. Um, <laughs> clearly. Or you would not have asked this question on this podcast.
0: <laughs> and I I'll probably like keep hitting on this theme throughout the episode as we talk about most meaningful scene and different ideas. Andrew called me out, (laughs) I think, right before we recorded, like, hey, you said 10 episodes ago that vengeance was your answer.
1: Um, (laughs) I did. Now, granted, we recorded vengeance 10 episodes ago. I think we only released vengeance like three episodes (laughs) ago. We (laughs) kept that one in the can for a long
0: time. It It was in the can for a long time. And I think vengeance captures... Did you see Vengeance, John? Um, I, I didn't. It, it's worth checking out. It captures kind of the discourse in America of like how every, the take cycle and this sort of thing and discourse. But when I think about how did we get here? Who are we actually? This is the movie that captures it. And I want to unpack my argument probably in the next 30 minutes of like why that is as we go scene by scene because I have a bunch of points
1: when it comes to this. The, the thing about Vengeance, I would say, is that like it captures America in the idea of like communication of ideas and how Americans communicate now, whereas the founder is this much grander, like the heart and soul of of Americans and what we want and what that becomes.
0: Absolutely. And so let's dig into it. How did you guys feel watching this movie? Andrew, you had never seen it before. So just Mm. kind of. I want to get your first take, first impression. Like, how did you feel? What did you think watching this movie?
1: Man, this movie is such a, like, clean, straightforward movie. Like, it starts off with Michael Keaton looking right down the barrel at you, basically delivering the theme of this movie. Yes. Like, this is what this movie is going to be about. And in in about 30 minutes, you're going to ask me what my least meaningful scene is. and I don't know that I have one because this movie... Is like, it's like it's, it's, it's like two hours. It's not a short movie, but I feel like it is tight because like almost every step of this process of this movie, it is clean in the in the way of like you're just watching this thing unravel thematically and every moment seems to matter. Um, so I was I was enthralled by this movie in a, in a way of like being partially disgusted, partially seeing myself in actually a lot of the characters. Oh, I'd be watching a scene and I'd be like oh I'm this guy and then I'd be in another scene and I'd be like oh nope I'm this guy in this scene right um or knowing oh I've met that person I've done business with that person I sat across a table from that person um it, it was it was this really somewhat um disgusted is not the right word but somewhat uncomfortable mirror of people around me as I'm as I'm watching it and then not knowing how I felt about rooting for certain characters, which I don't always feel. Most movies make you feel good about rooting for the protagonist, and this one didn't. <laughs> so it was kind of uncomfortable while being very uh, introspective, I think.
0: So just to follow up on that, was this a Truman show where you're like, ah, eh, overrated, I don't know if I get it, or were, were you watching this movie like, okay, I can see why Rob picked this movie?
1: Okay, so here's, here's the thing. The truth... <laughs> That's never gonna die. Uh, for those of you who uh, haven't smell, listened to I our Truman Show episode, apparently I'm. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is the mo- It is the episode that lost me all my street cred because I spend the entire episode saying it's not any good. Truman Show is a pretty good movie. Um, this was a movie where it honestly hasn't gotten that much buzz. It came out and people were like, Meh, it's a movie. And Rob was over here in the corner being like, watch the founder. And so I don't think my bar was really high or really low. I kind of came into it being like, what is it? And it's certainly it, it, it hit for me. It connected. I understand why from a, from a meaning of the movie. This movie is not necessarily f- interesting. Uh, uh, sorry, this movie is not necessarily like a. Um, like a like a blockbuster that's exciting or a mystery where it's going to like like a like a thriller movie, right? Where you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. What a twist, right? It's not that kind of thrill ride. But this is a movie with ideas and characters that is written well and acted really well. And so it is engaging and really makes you think. So as far as this podcast is concerned, this movie is really, really good. John, how
2: do you feel? I had all the feels. In this movie, like all like warm fuzzies, like oh, this is wonderful. Yeah, I did. Like again, part of that is the is that like um I want to win entrepreneur in me. Like that part of me is like I, I dug it. Like I was I was on the on the mission, and and I, this is again the second time I'd seen it, and I was still like. I was all about it. Like there were certain there are moments. There's this there's this scene near the beginning. I'm not spoiling the rest of the podcast, but there's a scene at the beginning where the the two McDonald brothers are like mapping out the. the I love that the scene. I want to talk about that scene restaurant. so much. Like a, it's like a Rocky montage to me as a business guy. It's like oh my gosh, this is amazing. Just watching the magic of that and and just seeing the the incredible like. The 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 wonder the joy the risk the adventure of business I love that so that that for me is a little warm fuzzy maybe and then of course all the other opposite emotions as the story unravels uh, I just kind of felt it all and I actually watched it last night and we were sort of preparing dinner I was out grilling a steak and then in and we had it on the TV and my my fourteen year old son was wandered in and sat on the couch and was glued for the hour and a half. So we, we, we ate and watched like it was the 50s and we watched the movie and he loved the, the just the drama of the film and then our our, our dialogue about it. So honestly, it, I had all, all the feels going through the movie. I thought it was great. I mean, I, I thought it was great first time. I thought it was better the second time for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to get right into it. Let's what do was, it. What was your most... Uh, Meaningful scene like we we kind of hinted at them a little bit. But What's your most meaningful scene?
1: Let's talk about that scene on on the tennis court for a second, because I think that that scene is um, for me was one of the most exciting. So um, the three of us all do a, a fair bit of writing, producing, directing, storytelling. Right. But. Uh, Rob, you, you and I have both directed on stage a fair bit where you have to map things out and look at it and start over. Yep. That, that scene of watching people on a tennis court rehearse how to work in a kitchen and watching them be like, nope, that doesn't work, start over. I was like this is, it was the most like um, just like wonderful feeling as a director to like watch people work out and innovate a method of basically how to rehearse A restaurant like I'd never seen something like that before. And I thought it was so beautiful. Like the invasion of that was amazing.
2: I wanted to know. I thought that that, that can't be true. Like they didn't do that. So I I went and did a little. There's there's like a fact check the movie site. So I fact checked it. And that's one of the things that actually did happen was the brothers on the court going through the speedy system and figuring it out. Like that's crazy that they actually did that. And I love it. Like that makes it like so much better and it makes it so much more heartbreaking for those guys. But that was an amazing scene. No doubt.
1: So, so to me, one of the things that makes that scene so so meaningful is I think a lot of movies where you have like your entrepreneurial hero, you have a guy who is really innovative and creative and wins. And what you see in this scene is you have the, like, innovation dreamer, which is Nick Offerman's character, right? It's the McDonald brothers, right? And they do this really beautiful thing. And in that tennis court scene where they're choreographing it and redoing it and struggling with it, you see this innovation of art almost, right? To them, the restaurant is is the art. Um, the, the milkshakes have to have real milk. The burgers have to be good. Right. That, 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 that There is this they don't want to franchise because the quality of the art I'm putting art in quotes for the people who are listening to this. Right. Is going to get degraded. And you see that the, the beauty of the artistic innovation in that scene. And then for the rest of the movie, you see in order for the business innovation to succeed, that that ha- that artistic innovation has to be continually like pounded upon. And through the McDonald brothers being continually pounded upon and which is maybe a more realistic version of what we see in some of these other movies that I, I, I can bring up at some point where where the innovator, you have two different innovators and one of them has to win versus one innovator that's going to come out on top. And well, that, that was hard to watch.
0: Well, I think uh, a couple thoughts. One, that that is the meaning of the movie scene to me. That's the number one scene that I would pick out because you may come into this with any feelings about McDonald's, but when you watch that scene, you were like, these guys changed the world on that tennis court. And what makes that scene extra powerful is you see this guy who's going to these like car hops and they're bringing like plates, like actually glass plates with barbecue beef for him to eat on and that sort of stuff. And you see guys who like completely reinvented how restaurants works and how it's there. And so that's it wasn't just the tennis court. Like that's a good 10 minutes of them talking about we moved to Hollywood and we started our own movie theater and then we started a restaurant and then it was there and then flies came out and like nearly destroyed it all. They tell this like massive 10 minute long origin story to McDonald's and what it took for them to get there. And it's so breathtaking. And even right before that scene, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Michael Keaton walks up and he like orders the food for the first time. It's so good. (laughs) And then he's like, what do I do with this? And the guy's like, you eat it.
2: <laughs> that, yeah, that I just ordered. This isn't mine. That, <laughs> yes, it is.
1: That scene is in the trailer, and it plays out almost like beat for beat for the full scene in the trailer. And I remember thinking, like, this movie's really smart. Like, they just you know, which by the way, if you watch the trailer, you can basically watch the entire movie in two minutes. They don't hide anything, but the movie is so intricate that it's like still worth it. And that's one of the thing I think thinks is so brilliant about this movie is you can watch the trailer and know the entire arc of the story, but watching it all happen is really what it's all all about there aren't like twists or surprises you know exactly how the thing is going to end
0: when he Um, walks up to that mcdonald's for the first time though you realize like oh he's walking up to something that is a nuclear bomb that is about to change the world mm -hmm. like like i would off the top of my head this is a list that i have for you guys of like exports that have changed the world from america my number one is the automobile like absolutely changed the world. Sure. My number two is the iPhone that absolutely changed the world. And then probably my number three is McDonald's um, for a lot of reasons that we'll probably get into, but it was like, this isn't just about burgers. This is about speed, about efficiency, about brand, about franchising, all these sort of ideas that are tied up in this one restaurant that literally went and changed the world.
1: Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that, that was sort of my most, most meaningful scene. And, like, it's 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 so interesting. This movie, scene by scene, like, every... There's almost no scene that isn't, like, actively changing a character or actively working on the theme. That's what I was saying at the beginning. It's such a clean movie in the sense of how everything has meaning packed into it. So, that first scene where he talks to the, uh, the guy at, at the window and learns what McDonald's is, super meaningful. Like, so interesting to... The thing that I thought was so interesting was to sit there and have him watch a guy be blown away by the concept of fast food because it's so obvious to us now, right? The I, the idea of eating eating out of a wrapper, throwing everything in the bag, throwing it out, right? Like that that's not revolutionary at all. That's the way fast food works. And so to watch someone be blown away by the revolutionariness of a super old idea to me, right, was like so, so well created and acted and paced to like, yeah, I I've, I don't know that I've ever experienced that before in a movie of watching a really commonplace idea that has taken over the world that is very much set, watching someone realize it as revolutionary. It was that was a really interesting moment for me.
0: Absolutely. I think my other most meaningful scene is the polar end of it, which is like, He is on this phone, and it's interesting because he always talks to Nick Offerman's character, Dick, uh, through most of the movie, and so whenever he calls, and and a little fact that I found... (laughs) with this was like, they actually filmed those scenes at the same time. They were in a studio where the offices were side by side. So they filmed those scenes real time where they're filming Nick Offerman and Michael Keaton at the same time to really capture. And I just thought it played so well, the dialogue, but what did you think of those phone call scenes between uh, Ray Kroc and the McDonald brothers?
2: Well, I, I loved the, what's interesting to me, we talk about which scene stands out. <clears throat> So I'm going to answer the question, but I'm going to answer it by by diving a little further into that opening question of the scene. <clears throat> to me, the there's this bookend scenes of of you've you've got Roy Kroc and and the McDonald brothers when they first meet, and it's amazing to watch that that meeting. Right? It's very like, it's like. They trust him. They want to tell him everything. They're unveiling all the secrets. There's this like camaraderie brotherhood. They're in the restaurant. Like it feels so like innocent and like the best of American business right there in that meeting. And the polar opposite of that meeting is the meeting with with the attorneys in a cold office where they're signing a contract. And then it makes me think of the phone call when he says contracts are like hearts, they're made to be broken. To me, that's the quote where it's the pivotal, like final breaking point of his character. And that of course applies to both his marriage, which is in the ne- very next scene. And the fact that he's breaking this contract now with the guy. So that's where it's like, that's the final point where you realize you can no longer root for the protagonist because he's making some really bad decisions. Well, and there's a phone call
0: right before that scene in the office where he tells Mac, he's like, if you saw someone who is your competitor drowning, would you stick a hose in their mouth and finish the job? And he says, no, I wouldn't. And uh, he's like, well, that's the difference between me and you. That's what business is. Business is it,
1: war. It's so and that that analogy is so stark because he tries to be so likable for so much of the movie, even when he's being a snake. Right. He he has this thing of like he's a salesman. Right um and and that's like the pretty much the one time where he like drops the veneer and is like this is this is what this is i would i would stick a hose in there like you're it's such a such a strong analogy right if you saw your competitor drowning would you know i would stick a hose in their mouth you're just like it's it's so dark
0: well and the reason that i like my ultimate like meaning of the movie reason that i stick with this movie and explain this is what I feel about America is because when I think about America, I love this country. I love who we are. So I think of the wonder, I think of the innovation, I think of all the incredible things we've done. And yet to create this sense of innovation, there's also this like capitalism cost, which is like crush things at all costs, bring in the darkness, you know, like that's real as well. Most of these movies, like when you think about, the social network or you think about the Steve Jobs movie or you think about these other movies, they're pretty like like Wolf of Wall Street or those sort of things. They're just pretty dark tales that show this is a dark, dark person using capitalism to create darkness in the world. What I love about this movie and feels different is it feels like this, like, magical Disney story through a lot of it, the scenes that we talked about. And then you also see the reality of the heaviness of these decisions. And I've never seen something that tells both stories quite as well as the founder and that's why i stick this movie so much and believe
1: in it so much i really agree with that i think what you just brought up of all the sort of movies that also are have a similar thing on their mind or sort of have a similar heart one of the ones that came to my mind was moneyball i don't know if you've ever seen ever seen that it came out like two years after after the social network Aaron, aaron sorkin had a hand in writing it obviously he also wrote the social network but i think of the social network when i think of this movie i think of moneyball and it's, uh, I, I sort of started to think of the big short. Um, it's these movies about people who are innovating and are on the front edge of something. And there's a line in Moneyball in which Brad Pitt's character looks at one of his uh, scouts, right? And he says, adapt or die, right? Which is which is the whole thing with, with capitalism and like the market and innovation, right? Is that you can't stay stagnant. You have to adapt, you have to change or else you'll become a, obsolete and in a movie like Moneyball, like you are actively rooting for brad pitt and jonah hill and everyone who's working against them uh phil seymour hoffman's coach character the whole lineup of like scouts they're really painted to be these like grumpy stick in the mud kind of guys and so when they end up getting run over and fired by brad pitt you're cool with it because they kind of suck Right. Right. This this move. And, and and so there's this thing that also the social network does maybe a little bit cleaner where where people are getting run over. Right. Mark Zuckerberg has an idea. And in order to make it work, it has to go a certain direction. And the people who are not on board are going to get run over. And what this movie does is it shows you that cost. McDonald's would not be McDonald's if Ray Kroc hadn't done what he did if it weren't for the franchising model that he built. All of the wonderfulness that is McDonald's, all the family values, all the stuff he truly was pushing for would not have happened.
2: All the grimace glasses. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. But but all those awesome birthday parties. But but the McDonald's brothers are like good people. They believe in this thing. They they love it. Right. And they're they're two good dudes. And so you see these two good dudes getting trampled in order to make way for something that is that is great. And it's it's hard to watch. And I think that's this like American ideal, right? Is like, what does it take to get the American dream? It's not clean. And and that's it. it is there is this darkness as we're innovating and creating something good. And it it, it, it paints both sides so well in a way that at the end, like I don't like Ray Kroc. I think he's kind of a schmuck, but like I can't. Like it's it's hard it
2: makes you stare at it and how
0: do you with deal them. with this tension John like what are you thinking watching this movie about this tension
2: well so in that or in that first meeting that that Roy Kroc had with the brothers the brothers said like there are a few a few things that we knew had to happen and he went through the list of the things and I don't remember the first few but I remember the last one he said lastly we knew that it, it and this is a great quote it needed to be ours like so that's again that's the setup and then of course the payoff later of like it was like they—the one thing that they wanted was it needed to be ours—and and then it's through all the different ways that Roy Kroc did it, he took it from them essentially. Um, now to be fair at the end of the day they made a choice to sell so that was clearly their choice and the truth is what the movie doesn't cover is after this film the brothers went on and started a motel chain and which no one's ever heard of it's not a, it's not a big motel chain but they started a the motel so they were like you know what we don't want to deal with him and we don't want to and we think this is a good exit and we're happy with the payoff and we're gonna move on in fact interviews later of the brothers they, they were like we don't have any regrets like it's fine we like good for him go do your thing the one Thing they regretted was the hiding of the first McDonald's and the name of McDonald's as if it was just made up from thin air. Those are the things that they that really bothered them later in in the story after the movie. But um so uh I I, I don't know. What was the question again, Rob? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brain is like well, I lost my train of thought.
0: Well, let me highlight this. The reason we love ray crock and one michael oh, yeah, keaton yeah, yeah. we we haven't talked about michael keaton enough who i've he's one of the actors who i think has had such an interesting career who was really high and then kind of crashed and this one is one of the movies that brought him back and but i think he was this
1: birdman right birdman birdman then he did, birdman, birdman, and then then he did spotlight and then he did this a couple years after that yeah, like then, And
0: for me, this is his best performance in any movie ever. He's so good in this. Like, this was the part. This is his magnum opus. This is, like, all the Michael Keaton charm and smarminess. And he's just... Every single scene, he is solid gold. So, it really is that perfect me, marriage of role and actor. I
2: remember where I wanted to go with that, Rob. Yeah, go for,
0: go for it, John. <laughs> so, so
2: I think about, thank you for that, forgiving my rabbit trail, but thinking about Michael Keaton and his performance here as Roy Kroc, what I loved about it and was hard for me about it was, I again, like Andrew mentioned in the beginning, seeing yourself in the mirror in this, uh, I, I don't think I saw myself as any of the characters except... Michael Keaton, unfortunately, which was which was really good and hard at the same time, but like like when he was um, the excitement of watching the franchise grow, the excitement of watching the business grow, the scrappiness of figuring out how to get a loan, even dealing with you know the 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 idea of turning this into a real estate play instead of a franchise, all that was like ah that's amazing, and I kept hoping that the the entrepreneur would re, would would make the right choice would you know, I wanted him to stay with his wife and honor the guys. Like, that's that's what I wanted. Like, that's what I was hoping for. But you know, that just doesn't happen. And so, so then it was like, just the stark reality of what is all too often the case in business is that it's like, there's this great amazing like cover of Forbes magazine side that feels so amazing and american capitalism and entrepreneurism and all that, that that's i do love that spirit of america and then on the under the underbelly of it is what is it what price are you willing to pay to get there right that's the whole point that we're talking about is what are you willing to sacrifice to get there sacrifice relationship integrity family etc to get what you what you want and Boy, it's a picture of one guy saying I'm willing to sacrifice all these things to get what I want and two other guys saying it's not worth it. I'm not going to sacrifice my health, my my name or whatever. And then, you know, so <clears throat> it's a stark picture of both sides of that to me. So
1: with that to me, as I was watching all of those characters, right, you're talking about the wife, you're talking about the McDonald brothers in their relationship with with Ray. By the way, it's Ray Kroc.
2: I keep saying Roy. I know it's Ray. You do.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I feel like that is my job I, on, on this, this on this is podcast to my, to is to my, minute, is to uh, correct. It's, so. it's it's both you. I do it to Rob a lot too, is to it's correct true. names as well as to say that uh, universally beloved movies are bad. That's also my job on this
2: podcast. <laughs> Ray Croc, so sorry about that. Uh, um, yeah, the crock <laughs> Estate. I I'm, I really mean Ray. <laughs> um, so, thinking about about
1: those characters, one of the things that I was thinking about is this movie in the way that it's quote describing America is also to me, it's not just America, but the American dream. And then if you dial that back to sort of the 30,000 foot view of the American dream, it's the idea of happiness, right? What makes you happy? And so the McDonald brothers like we talked about earlier, like they were happy with their art, they'd made a thing and they wanted their thing to be good and they were truly happy
2: just running their
1: stand. They had made some, they had innovated something wonderful and they just wanted that thing. Ray needed, he, he was made happy by ambition, right? And you can see that he was made happy by, he, he needed to be the biggest thing out there, which is very American. And his wife was very content with just, she just wanted, she, all she wanted was the white picket fence, the house, being at the club, having friends, she was content. And the fact that she was content and he wasn't was the problem in their marriage. Was that was that he wanted it wasn't necessarily that he mortgaged the house or all that stuff. It was that she wasn't dreaming. She was content already. And so to see their marriage fall apart because she was content and he needed someone who was clawing for the next thing, right? Which was the Joan character who was like, hey, what if we made milkshakes without milk, right? That was so attractive to him. It wasn't that she was like some hot person that came down the lane. It was the fact that she was dreaming and that she had innovation in her that his wife was already, already content. Right, like the and, and one and late night bedroom that call in. they
0: had. Yeah. The one late night call they had, she's like, we can put it outside of a stadium. And 40,000 people were there. And he's like, oh, you're a dreamer, aren't you? Like, that's even not just it's the contrast
2: to his wife, who's
1: not, not even engaged. But but it's no. not that she wasn't engaged. There's scenes where she's, like, supporting him and backing him. There's, there, there's a scene at the, the, at the club, the at, at, yeah. at the restaurant, where mm-hmm. she, like, Totally backs up. It's this beautiful scene. You're like she grabs his hand. Want. She
2: reaches over, grabs his hand, and you can tell they're like. That's when I was like, yes, Team Croc, they can do it. They could. They're gonna. They're gonna make it. And then it's like, no, they're not gonna make
1: it. But right, and it's it's like because of they're of like where their heart is when it when, when it comes to what makes them happy, uh, and so they couldn't be happy together because they didn't want the same things, and that was like really really hard to, to watch and then to watch how then kind of heartless he was through that was also hard to watch
0: are there any other characters I actually have two more scenes that I want to talk about that I think are the heart of this movie but are there any other characters that you want to hit on for me- most meaningful character I mean, mo- you guys
1: um I think it's fun that B.J. Novak shows up in this movie yeah. because two of our biggest what is the meaning of America movies, uh, you know, uh, star or co-star B.J. Novak. So I don't know what that means for us, um, but uh, he he keeps finding himself at the center of our conversations.
0: Yeah, he's the cast in this movie is great. We could just go down the. Role, But you, you got Laura Dern as the wife, you got Michael Keaton, you got BJ Novak, and then the brothers. I mean, so perfectly mm-hmm. casted with Nick Offerman and my boy, John Carroll Lynch, who I just love. He he's is so from great. Zodiac, and he's from Fargo, and the founder. These are like three of my top ten movies, and he's in all of them somehow. Um The one other scene that I want or two other scenes that I want to talk about. One is a really simple one that I think is so important to what McDonald's did to change the world. And there's this moment when the guys are on the golf course and Michael Keaton goes to one of the McDonald's that they own. And he sees a guy eating a burger with lettuce on it. And he goes in the golf cart or sorry, he goes on the course and he says, what is this? And he's like, it's lettuce. He's like, he's like, lettuce belongs on a hamburger. And he says, not on a McDonald's hamburger. I love that scene. What did you guys think of that scene?
1: Uh, to me, it was the scene that came after that that was more meaningful, where he realizes that rich people are not his target franchise owners, but it's other people who are striving. Right. It's it's the up and coming middle class families. Right. He 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 sees a husband and wife pairing the thing he doesn't have. Um, who both want and want to work hard. And he realizes he can franchise by finding people who are basically like him and not the people that his that basically his wife is trying to be. Um, so to me, it was what came out of that that was like super hit me really hard. What what about that seeing scene on the golf course with the lettuce and everything for you, Rob? What hit so hard for you on that?
0: Because this is what McDonald's did to change the world that we take for granted. If you order a caramel macchiato anywhere across the country, This is how much milk goes Mm. in it. This is Mm -hmm. how much caramel goes in it. This is how much coffee goes in it. There are experts who say this exactly how caramel macchiato tastes.
1: If you, you know... Facebook. Everywhere you go, it tastes exactly the same. Right. Yeah,
2: I, I thought the same thing. That was a great scene when they they showed the one of the franchisees that had was adding fried chicken was one of those yes. golf guys. He's like, you don't like, and that and that is obviously one of the reasons you root for him is what he's creating this incredible system of quality control, which is which is what the guys wanted by the way. It's what the Crock brothers wanted was quality control across the whole thing, and he fought for that continuity, consistency, and quality control, but. Even even at the end of the movie, he like you know with the whole name situation, you may get to that Rob here in the podcast. But the whole idea of the name McDonald's, like why didn't you just go do it yourself? And he's like nobody wants to go and buy because he could have because he had he got the vision sitting in that initial meeting he got it he saw the picture he saw the picture of what this was in the speedy system and why it mattered and he even fought for quality control but he believed it could be done the brothers didn't believe it could be franchised and he said yeah i think it can be franchised so fighting for it with those guys in the golf course was amazing because yes it shows now what every franchise fights for is exactly what he did in that scene but you have to but what the, what the movie
1: goes on to show is that you have to there is still sacrifice within that Right. So, yeah, he f- fought for no lettuce on the burger, but then he also made the milkless milkshake, which was heresy to Nick Offerman.
0: Right. And, and right? even in that so, same scene, he's like, what's next? Frozen fries, frozen French which, fries. Is, <laughs> which is what every McDonald's uses now. Right, um, But I think we take it for granted kind of what you said before, Andrew, of like, oh, I took for granted like him walking up in fast food, this was not a concept of people. This idea of quality control and brand standards, which we've all operated in, lived in and had long, long conversations. McDonald's is the foundation of that. McDonald's is the originator of that sort of thing of like every restaurant is going to look the same. It's going to smell the same. There's only two pickles on a hamburger. Like all these little touches of like what a franchise is, is not just the same name, not just the same logo, but everything about the experience is going to be identical and the way it, like why wouldn't you have fried chicken people like fried chicken we can make more money he's like nope they can go somewhere else for that they don't come to mcdonald's for that yeah and that's sort of like i do it's find it heroic line. of like him fighting for that and i do find it damning later on and i again that tension is what makes this movie stand out to me so much
2: i Abs- mean absolutely. You talk- this, about- this
1: movie is all about tension. That's the, that's the thing. It's, it's the tension of ideas, the tension of like char- characters, but it's like, there's so much gray area in like all of them, right? Like of you want Nick Offerman's character to see the vision, right? You love who he is as a person, but you need him to see Ray's vision. And you need Ray to be like, hey, uh, have some humanity.
2: Hundred um, percent. Yes. I can even right. remember, like even like most of the hospital, and again, you're like, and that's what they do so well. The writers here, and this is like, who's the who's the writer of this? By the way,
0: I think it's Robert Siegel who wrote like the Wrestler and a few yep, others. Yeah, the same right.
1: guy that I wrote right about wrote that. the Wrestler. Yes. Good, good I, job, I just bro.
2: love the way that he takes you Like he gets you right there and then he Pulls the rug out and he gets you right there and pulls the rug out Like he goes to the hospital he's gonna Visit him and like oh he's got a heart Again maybe he's actually got a heart There and then he hands him the card with The blank check and he's just going to do business like It's always about business it's like You you, you love him because The quality standards and then You, you then you see where it's a demise like that The tension in his character that value change Andrew we talk a lot about like He's so great at doing that. Every scene pushes the story forward. And Keaton just does a tremendous job of carrying both those values of like you love him and then you hate him. you love him and then it's you're conflicted as you're watching him. And the reason I think this is the movie that
0: explains America is like you look at all the people who have changed the world as far as like entrepreneurs. Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Andrew Carnegie, Thomas Edison. You go down the line of like the roster that America has of people who have changed the world compared to every country on earth of like what modern living is. It comes from this little piece of land for some reason. And I think what this movie shows is the high value that they have of like innovation and the ruthlessness. And it's kind of like it's chicken and egg. Like you can't get one without the other. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the core argument that this movie makes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that I think is really interesting is to like, it puts you in the perspective of Ray Crock most of the time and occasionally the McDonald's brothers, right? But there's a bunch of other characters. And I think because you're seeing both sides there, you we we sort of have this omniscient perspective of like the gray area, and he is a hero and a villain, right? But I think one of the characters that actually, for me in my life, that I would say I related the, the, the most to in this movie was was actually the uh Fred Turner, who was like the fry cook who eventually became like the next CEO, right? Right. And and to him, Ray Kroc is amazing, right? Because he all he sees, I imagine, right, is he's just there. He started as as a fry cook. He adopted the same ideals as Ray. He wants the burgers to be good. He wants standards to be great. And so then Ray sees something in him and raises him up. And then he starts taking him to business meetings. And then they start expanding this thing together. Fred came in really, he has no interaction with the McDonald's brothers. So he doesn't see the people that are getting flame torched under the bus. He just sees this guy leading the way and in innovating, creating something great. And so I think people like his his secretary, I forget what her what her name is. Um, but uh, um, that first character
0: on the New York Stock Exchange floor like right. in the end credits. Like, that's
1: huge. Cool. That's that's amazing. And that came out of this thing. And so I think there are people that are under the funnel of Michael Keaton's character, right, that truly can look up to him and he did great things to change their lives. All of these franchise owners. Right. Um, but just, so anyway, just me thinking about perspective and how like if I had Fred's perspective, I would think that Ray Kroc was an amazing person. But as the viewer of this thing, I have this omniscient perspective where I can see the other people that are getting burnt by this, that, you know, the people in the company don't necessarily see. And I'll, to, to, to me, that was like, To remind you that like, yeah, there's there's this dark side to a lot of the dreams that we have and a lot of the successes that we have.
0: One other scene that I think is so important in this movie is just a little throwaway one where Michael Keaton goes. He drives all around and then he he sees every church or sorry, every town has something. They have a church. Yep. And or a a steeple and a flag, a steeple and a flag. Yeah. And the other thing he is a church and a courthouse. So it's a cross
1: and a flag, a
0: cross and a flag. Uh huh thank you, church and a courthouse. And he's like, yep. every town needs a McDonald's. And what he recognizes is not just the need for a place, but for an icon. Mm-hmm. Like he recognizes the power of that in. He re- he's the one who sees the power of the golden arches because it's not just McDonald's, right? It's not just the name. This idea of golden arches, like this is a place open seven days a week where everyone is welcome and you can come. And just that, that iconography that we kind of take for granted, again, companies spend hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars to get their icons right, to get their logos right, all this sort of stuff that we just consume so much we don't think about. Mm-hmm. On my web browser right now, I have a bunch of different windows open. There's a YouTube icon, there's a Facebook icon, there's a Zoom mm-hmm. icon, and it's just like all these sort of things. McDonald's is ground zero for that, I would argue.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that I, 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 that's really true. I mean, that McDonald's that went up in my neighborhood when I was a kid, I remember when I, I knew that they were going to build it, I remember going to my mom and saying, I want to go watch when they install the giant tower with the M on top of it, because I want to see how they build that, because that like driving down the highway in America, right? Every time you're, you know, you go buy an exit or whatever, like you see, like, you know, the giant post in the air with the giant M on top. And as like a seven year old or whatever, yeah, yeah, as like a seven year old. I was like, I. I want to know how that is built because it's it was so iconic in my brain. I hadn't I haven't thought about this in 20 years. um, And and I remember my mom being like, yeah, they're, they're probably going to get like a crane and put it up. It's not that big of a deal. But to my seven year old brain, the installation of the Golden Arches was going to be like a moment for our neighborhood. Like I, I I felt that as a little kid.
2: There's a quote in the movie. Where the, Ray Kroc says McDonald's can be the new American church So that was shortly after that sequence Of of, uh, of shots Now that wasn't an actual uh, Ray Kroc quote uh, But it was It was written by Siegel's wife Actually she came up with that idea And he's like I love it And so he put it in the script As McDonald's can be that. But it's a great It does paint the picture of Where, where things were going And that idea of the American flag, the American church and McDonald's. It's what a picture of kind of the, the full scope of at least what America has been for sure.
0: Well, you know, another thing that's just kind of like hinted at, but that McDonald's did really change is like remember the earlier scenes where there's like jukeboxes and there are kids outside smoking and making out with each other and that sort of thing. McDonald's made a core fundamental decision of, like, we're going to market at children. And so they would, like, they built play places. They built Ronald mm-hmm. McDonald, like all these sort of things that Ray Kroc bought, brought to it, which is like, hey, we're going to aim at children. And that is our audience and families. And that's who we're pulling into the doors. Right. Yeah, and M- McDonald's
1: right. is family was like something that he he he. said in there, which is honestly beautiful to create a spot where like families can go and everything like it's not a bad dream. That's not a corrupt, weird, gross thing. It's actually a very beautiful thing.
2: There's that scene at the beginning when he goes to visit. He drives across the country to visit the the first the first McDonald's actual first McDonald's and he sits on the chair on the bench with the family and you Mm -hmm. get that picture. And just before that, you saw all the teenagers and whatever else happening. And then they're all moved out. And the, the, the camera sort of montages from this is disappearing to now here's the families. And then there's this picture of Ray with this family. And he keeps looking over at the girl over and over again. And he must be thinking, oh, this is a whole different way to approach food is aiming towards the family. So yeah, that's a great observation
0: for sure. I think we're getting near the, oh, least meaningful scene. Did you guys have a least meaningful scene? I didn't ask that question from before.
1: Sometimes it's 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 fun to jump in on, on on the least meaningful scene and be like, what was this doing here? But like, honestly, like I said at, at the beginning of this, I felt like each step of the way this was like it was either. Showing us a different level of the like, the slow backsliding slope into the eventual destruction of the McDonald's brothers or a building of race character, like honestly, I felt like every scene and each character was in there just enough time like they they didn't throw extra scenes at Laura Dern just because she's Laura Dern BJ Novak came in just for the scenes that he was needed like everything to me felt like I mean it was like a two hour movie but it, it all felt necessary and exactly the right length it was it was pretty clean and it's not a lot of movies that can pull that off what about you, John? You got anything?
2: No, I'm probably with Andrew on this one. Uh, at first I was thinking, well, maybe the hotel scene early on. But then I'm like, no, nah, that was really meaningful because you see him sort of like at his worst, can't sell these machines, listening. I think it's Dale Carnegie on the old record. And then, of course, he uses that later in his like speech, his big speech when preparing for the one where I think he was going to have a meeting with Was it Reagan or something. What was yeah. that That deal? So he's preparing and he's re he's rehashing the speech that he had in the hotel room when he was at his very lowest point. Um, but even even in in that scene there, he's stealing someone
1: else's stuff.
2: That's his M.O., right? That's the thing,
1: right? Like he's he's going to go make this big speech to, to, to Reagan and he's reading off of note cards what his speech is going to be. And it's literally the recording you heard him listening to at the beginning of the movie. So he's yeah. he's he's found a way to, again, market other people's stuff. To make it work for him, which is like gross. And yet somehow admirable is the wrong word, but like impressive. It's it's American? this weird gray area, American. And I hate that, but uh, right. It's the weird it's that uh-huh. weird tension.
0: OK, so we've talked all around it. Now is kind of your chance for a final argument of like, what is the meaning of this movie? What kind of sticks around to you? And maybe if, like it may be something you haven't said before. Or maybe a different reason is like, why, if someone's listening to this podcast this long, why should they go out and watch The Founder? Like, why is this movie worth watching and thinking about? Um, anyone want to volunteer to go first?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think that this movie is a modern day death of a salesman. I was watching this movie. I don't know if you ever, if you all have ever seen that uh, classic Arthur Miller play which um is maybe the most american play there is um as as far as as far as uh, as far as American theater goes uh, Arthur Miller's death of a salesman is it's about capitalism. It's about the American dream. It's about uh, the family unit and the, you know, all of that. And I, I felt like as I was watching this, especially, you know, they open with these scenes of Ray Kroc going around as a traveling salesman with a, you know, milkshake maker in his trunk. And I was like, this feels like Willie Loman, except as opposed to him never catching fire. He eventually does. But, Everything that Death of a Salesman does, and I don't know if our audience has ever seen this play. You should if you ever see it. It's it's one of the best plays I think ever written. I agree. But it you're watching again, people discussing and working for and striving for and conflicting over what creates happiness in Death of a Salesman. You've got Willie Loman's two kids who are both at odds with what do I do with my life? Do I just go work on a ranch and enjoy myself? Or do I need to strive and walk into the jungle and come out a millionaire, right? Which is a a line they say all the time. And that's what you see all these characters doing. You have the McDonald's brothers that are happy with their innovation and can be content and they love what they've made. You see Laura Dern who is content with who she is. And you see all these people that are following Ray Kroc who are truly Happy with this ambition and achievement that they're creating, and so you see the happiness and joy in life that comes from ambition, but also the devastation that comes from it as well, and that one thing goes hand in hand with an, with another. And I've seen very few stories paint it as. Um, non-judgmentally, I guess, you see both the good and the destruction at the same time, and they seem inevitably linked, sort of like Death of a Salesman, where you walk out of that not really knowing who you should feel good for. um, And you, you know, it's similar to that play, this feels like a mirror to our walk through American life.
0: I love that answer because I do, I mean... As you can see, I'm a big fan of this and comparing it to Death of a Salesman, I do think it has that type of ambition on its mind of like these most important things and stakes. John, what do you think? What's the meaning of the movie?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's similar to Andrew. I think the meaning of the movie for me is, um, well, first I'll open by saying I think every business school student should watch the movie. For all the reasons, I think it's a phenomenal, like lesson in, and maybe that's the case. I think it, would, it would makes sense to me. Like if I'm if I'm a dean of a business school, or I'm running a, a whether it's marketing or, or finance in business school, I'm, I'm having I'm having our students watch and talk about this film. I think it's important for all the business reasons, but I think. What you're willing to give up to get what you want is a pretty important thing. I wrote a book a long time ago called Life Unlimited, and it was all about dreams and the importance of dreaming big. and And I, and I think I think if without without understanding or taking into consideration the consequences of our choices and pursuing our dream, um, you've got to step back sometimes and say, what is the collateral damage of of getting what I want? Or what I need, um, what I think I need, and then what I want, and and I think it's a it's a, I mean it was sobering for me to watch this and sort of gut check myself in my own business endeavors to say, how do I live a life and pursue what what I what I'm, what my dream is, and then not have collateral damage around me, my family, my friends, my name, etc. Um, so to me, that's the meaning of the movie is is kind of what matters most and really taking a look at what you're willing to sacrifice to get what you want. And then when to say, when to hold, when to fold and when to hold kind of in business and in life and, uh, and, and then hanging on to those values. And if you don't have those values from the beginning, like what matters to you, um, you know, what do they say? Uh, I forget the quote, but there's something along the lines of, uh, the way you do anything is the, or the way you, what is it? Um, Oh, I can't remember the quote now would have been a really powerful way to end this. (laughs) (laughs) Just like knock it right (laughs) out of the park. But anyway, that's the meaning of the movie for me is it's all about values. It's about sacrifice. It's about what are you willing to sacrifice to get what you want? And so, um, there you go. You guys, those are
0: such good answers. Um, and John, I love that sort of when we talk about dreams, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what's so powerful is like, okay, accomplish what you want, but it's like at what cost at what is cost? what this movie asks. Yes,
2: that's right. I, I just want to, but I don't think
0: it
1: has ahead, an I mean. answer is, 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 is the yes. thing is, is that what he achieves similar to the social network that that movie, which I know, I know we're going to talk about is, is like, yes, the, the dream was good. The franchising of McDonald's was ultimately a good thing, right? But like there is a cost. And so is that cost worth it to you? The cost of other people's dreams and happiness and and to know that in in real life, allegedly the McDonald's brothers were like, yeah, we we got our millions and we made something new. It was fine. Like that that to me is the happily ever after. But the fact that that like that doesn't exist and the tension of like, am I okay with the collateral damage in order to make something that I believe is worth it? (sighs) Like that's that's hard. You know, it's not necessarily that it is bad. It is good but there's destruction.
0: Um, yes, that's, that's the, this tension is why I love talking about this movie. My meaning of the movie, I don't know if I'm going to be able to land the plane on this, but essentially my big meaning is this. This is one of my favorite titles for any movie ever, The Founder, because there is so much tension and there is such a lie baked into that title. And unlike The Social Network, unlike other movies where it's like, okay, this is the guy who created it and he thought of it, and this is what it took to make it happen. This is a guy who created nothing. He literally created nothing. He just knew how to leverage something. Very Steve Jobs. Yeah, it's all about like, okay, I'm not going to create nothing, anything, but I'm going to learn how to leverage. And then I'm going to take that leverage and I'm going to take my salesman techniques to maximize it and find whatever edge I can to make it mine and to win. And that's what's kind of there. And the founder, it's like, okay, to do that, I've got to build this whole thing on a lie. And literally, as I was watching the last scene and he gives the business card with founder on it, and I thought about this being America, I even thought about America itself and the fact that we built this country and we kind of built it by taking it from someone else and just claiming it as our own. And I think this country has created so many beautiful and incredible and amazing things and I think that we have a really complicated history that we have to look at and wrestle with. And so I thought the echoes of a modern business sense versus the very foundations of our country itself mm. um, was so complicated. And I was just struck watching this. We're going into Fourth of July weekend. And I'm not an anti-America guy at all. I love this country so deeply. I think it's one of the best plays on earth. Like I love it. And yet, I think it's complicated. And I think it's got a history that's complicated mm-hmm. and this movie just deals with that tension and again Andrew I agree with your answer there is no answer there is no thing it's just like here's the tension let's wrestle through it and that's what great art and that's what great film is for
1: mm-hmm. yeah
2: this is a great think, art
1: and a great film all all together I People think should, that, people I should think watch that, this yeah.
2: movie I think that lands a plane really well actually Rob um, that says it you know the this idea of well, and I think the big question of do you have to sa- like, and that's the question that I don't know that we have the answer to. and Maybe it's an individual answer, but do you have to sac- Do you have to sacrifice? Um, obviously, you have to sacrifice to get to get any kind of you know advancement, but do you have to sacrifice to the point of harming somebody else to, to advance something good or to advance something well? That's a big question. Do you have to harm somebody else or take from somebody else in order to advance or to accomplish something? I don't know the answer to that one.
0: I'm sure if we watched the making of Chick-fil-A movie, it would just be like, he did it perfectly. Everyone was no. awesome and kind. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you do everyone's it. Everyone's <laughs> happy. They're all high-fiving. And it's all great. It's my pleasure. It's like no. the boringest movie ever.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Well, this was this was a great podcast, guys. I'm, I'm so glad that I finally, after six years of you telling me to, watched this movie, Rob.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you watched it, too. And uh, it's so good. Like, there are certain episodes that just demand the A-team coming back together and wrestling through it, and this is the one that I was like, John, you've got to come talk about this movie. So, John, I'm so glad you made it today.
2: Hey, so I'm, glad. I am grateful to be invited back for this one, and I'll tell you, it was. It, hopefully it's good for our audience, and I hope it was good for you too, guys, but I know for a fact it was really good for me in my own introspection and life, and so the meaning of the movie is much deeper than just the movie or this podcast, but it's meaningful to me personally, so thanks, guys. On that
0: note, thanks for joining us today. We will see you next time on The Meaning of the Movie.